This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. And welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross, and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes dons. Well, gents, uh, been busy few days since we last recorded. Obviously, had two games, um, so we got to talk about tonight. Uh, Ross, how's your week been so far? Yeah, feeling a bit uh, rough from work, but uh, nearly Friday and all that. Yeah, I definitely have that feeling, mate, as well. Uh, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, not good. No, it wasn't quite seventh heaven last night, but uh, we got to six, so it was a pretty decent showing from the boys. And uh, yeah, just been yeah busy, busy in the lead up to Christmas. Yeah, as much as we all are, I suppose. And yeah, I say not bad performance at all last night. Really, uh, you know, obviously it's only Norwich and twenty three, but they all count end of the day. We even you get on to Norwich in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, before we even get on to who we beat uh, 6-0 last night as we're recording, um, we took on Accrington on um, Saturday afternoon and unfortunately failed to defeat. But in my opinion, it wasn't really a disappointing performance at all. And I'm sure the other two gents agree. Um, You know, if we're looking at, you know, expected goals, numbers, um, as you know, that's kind of a a metric we like to use in terms of gauging how we performed. Um, Accrington tied up a score of 1.22. Um, so they overperformed their XG by scoring two goals. And we actually um, overperformed as well. Um, we obviously we only scored the one, but we got a 0.64 XG on the day. Um, but, you know, it was a tough game to go into in the first place. You know, there was quite a few Milton Keynes Don's accounts, like the MK Way, who were tweeting out about how many teams had gone to Accrington. And to be honest, really struggled there. And Accrington have been one of the best home teams in the league. Uh, in terms of form, and um, just from my point of view, I felt it was a like a John Coleman masterclass the first twenty minutes. Um, it was like a really high press, and um, especially to start the game, it's it's really hard for us to settle into a game of, you know, just passing the back ball around the the back three and uh, the keeper. As if you're constantly pressured by players, then you're going to struggle and and settle you. And that's where that first goal came from for um, their striker who. Had a pretty easy finish, to be honest, and uh, it kind of puts on the back foot like it has done in the past with conceding goals early. Um, Ross, why don't you kind of give us your thoughts on how you thought Accrington went on Saturday and um, how the performance was? Yeah, I just want to briefly touch upon the um, predictions those boys made last week, uh, last week's episode, in the sense of um, we all expected wins. And looking back on that, I, th- I felt... Um, I know um, I looked back on it and I slightly underestimated this Accrington side. Um, and as you said, Liam, they've got the, they've got um, the most. I think they're the most informed team in the last six in the league. 
and they've beaten Posh, they've beaten Link, um, Drew Lincoln. Uh, so they're not a bad team. And I think I feel like um, we could have easily won that game if we put our chances away. Because, as you say, we've created double of what they created. I think um, overall we had six shots on target compared to their three shots. Um, so overall, I was quite, as you say, pleased with the performance. But in that first 20 minutes, it just wasn't good enough. And I felt we buckled under the pressure of Atkinson's high press. But we more than um, started to ease into the game and started playing our own way. And I felt half-time came um, a bit too quick for our liking because they were camped in our own half in the last five to ten minutes. So, yeah, it was a good performance. But I felt once we uh, equalised, I felt we, we just needed to stay firm and um, hold on for the next ten minutes and the saying of your most vulnerable uh, once you've scored a goal came uh, and bit his um, in our arse, basically. So I just feel um, the performance, on the performance side, I felt it was good, but it wasn't the heights of, obviously, Charlton. But it was always going to be hard to replicate that. Um, and I think it just shows the difference between a good team and a top team. Yeah, say so you've say so it's weird that the XG didn't actually reflect our number of shots on target as you mentioned because only zero point six four is a it's quite low considering the amount of shots on target we actually had. But I suppose that's the difference between scoring more than one goal and not scoring at all. Um, but yeah, as I said, like Accrington managed the game really, really well in my opinion. Um, they pressed when they needed to and didn't press when they didn't need to, and they needed a break. You know, no team should be able to press for ninety minutes no matter what level of football you play at and um, you know it, that just shows why, why Atkinson are where they are in the league in terms of you know, in and around the playoffs and looking to get into the championship next season perhaps and um, yeah I mean if they if they got a good coach team behind you it just shows you where you can go and uh, hopefully we'll be on the same trajectory in a couple of seasons if not next season um, Joe what are your sort of main conclusions from Saturday's performance against Atkinson yeah, I think when you ask about because I don't really think that there's many huge conclusions we can just from this game. I feel that a lot of what we kind of already knew just came to the fore again. We knew that we're vulnerable in the first few minutes, and again that that came to pass. We knew that if a team, I mean, well, one thing, one thing I think that has changed recently is that we have. When teams have sat back, we have done better at trying to break them down. And like I said, we did create a few chances. Um, and we it, we it did take us some time to grow into the game. And and that was unfortunate. But once we once we did, we looked more than a match for a team that only Hull and Lincoln have got a better points per game record. So it's no disgrace to, you know, be be pretty much on par with Accrington for the whole game and just lose by the odd goal. It's no disgrace at all, but I think, and what this is, I was just wondering what you, what you guys thought about this. Their second goal, it, to me, it's kind of summed up a few of our issues. And I saw people criticising Richard Keogh for this, but I, but in his press conference, uh, in his uh, post-match uh, presser, Russ mentioned about how he, someone came on and so that'd be Regan Paul, and he's given specific instructions from minute one, and it, it didn't come to pass. And we saw Awakway um, on the, uh, the left wing back, who he, he had all the time in the world to play in a ball, and it was, you know, it is. I, I think a lot of the time it seems that when teams are having shots against against us, they're not having many shots, but it almost seems like every single shot goes in, or every single shot is a very good chance. Whose fault is that? Liam, whose fault is that? And how do we fix that? Because we're not conceding many shots at all, but the shots we are conceding seem to be bigger shots. And I feel, you know, it's, it's all it's all well and good. It's, it's who, whose fault is it that the, the ball's actually getting into the six-yard box in the first place? I mean, it seems a couple answer, but it's the whole team. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, Saturday with Regan coming on and not following those instructions, maybe you could pin the blame more on him than you could, you know, the whole system as a whole. But you know, the the system in general is meant to limit as many chances as it possibly can. So your 
you're not rolling a dice, but you're kind of hoping that the chances they do have don't go in or they, you know, just aren't limited them at all. You know, we saw the game on Tuesday. Admittedly, Akron's in a much better position than Norwich in the 21s, but we saw how the system worked to perfection and how they didn't definitely had a shot at all. They might have one who was offside, but either way, they didn't really have a, a proper chance at goal. Whereas a team like Atkinson, as you mentioned, Iwakwe um, on the uh, left wing, he's that big type of impact player who can, you know, change a game. And, and we saw it the first half of Gladwin, how Gladwin was took his uh, eye off the ball for maybe or didn't track the runner. Iwakwe uh, comes down the wing, crosses it in for, I think, for the first goal, and then that's 1-0. And exactly the same happened for the second goal. And um, to put Regan on that side uh, is a straight away, is it? It is Regan's fault, of course, for you know not following the instructions he was told, but it's also the coach and staff have got to take responsibility on that because they're throwing the Regan into the deep end in terms of trying to mark one of their better players. Um, so yeah, I don't really have I don't, I don't think it's individuals to blame, definitely not Keo. And I'd like to think, apart from this time, not Regan, it's just a case of maybe stopping these big chances going into the back of the net and that's that's such an easy thing to say. Um Ross, I don't know if you <laughs> sorry got to try Joe. Yeah I was just gonna say like we must be doing something right because teams aren't having I think we've conceded the least amount of shots in the league. But it's it's almost I, I feel um if if it's getting into your six yard box, how is it getting into the six yard box? And I mean Ross, we we've mentioned about Sorinola before. But and but do you think perhaps maybe Regan Paul and Ben Gladwin, perhaps them not being as defensively sound as Sorinola maybe leads to be being fairly vulnerable on the wings or from counter attacks? Yeah, I agree with you on the front of the defensive work, but it it counter react um, both ways in the sense of Sorinola going forward hasn't got that in um, that delivery that we've been lacking. So, but Regan Paul does. So it works both ways, but at the end of the day, it's it's the basics of a football game. You've stop, you just got to stop your man from beating you, and uh, if you, especially when you're playing as a wing back, stop crosses from coming in. And I think we've mentioned it in previous pods in the sense of they're not actually wing backs; they're more wingers as such. And I think um, especially with Ben Gladwin, um, he's probably more exposed to that in, in that factor of with the first goal, him not tracking back. So um, there are pros and cons to the system, but I just feel like um, I thought Regan Paul um, defensively was one of our better players, but on Saturday, he um, it, it, he struggled to adapt to the to the game um, straight away. And um, he Could needed... Could that be one. the system, though? Well, it, I think, yeah, the system that comes into play... But it, I think it's more down to individuals because of, we've seen what this system can do going forward. And we saw, we saw especially on Tuesday night, I know it wasn't our first um, first eleven, and we weren't um, playing against a great outfit. But at the end of the day, we did score six goals and six goals in, in a match is uh, very good. So going forward, do, do we need to change the system? No, because that would be uh, very rational. But I feel like um, if coming off from a sub, you've got to be ready and we've got no time for lapses of concentration. I think also it's very it's very rare we're going to cope against a player like a Wackway who's so pacey and so talented on the ball in terms of his crossing ability. You know, maybe we come against that against Blackpool as well, um, one of our first games of the season. Um, but we haven't really seen that many teams try and attack us down the wing that much. I feel it's always been through other long balls or trying to pass through us. Um, so maybe maybe that's something to address in the system in terms of how we approach these type of you know pacey wingers or wing backs like we have who want to get bomb at field and you know, create chances. Maybe that's something the coaching team need to address in the future. Um, but that's not going to happen every week, so it's important that they you know keep that in the back of their minds. And when we take on you know Accrington and Blackpool again this season, we um, address that because it could easily happen again. I'd, I'd just like to take this moment as well. Just, uh, I think we can't go this pot, through this pod without mentioning Carlton Morris's goal. I thought it absolutely fantastic. And I, I just one thing I want to say on that as well: that goal isn't possible if 
our, our other attackers aren't making runs off the ball and taking defenders away and making defenders even just have a, a doubt whether to go with the man or, you know, it's all good and well, Morris running through everyone, but that's not possible without movement from others. And I think our movement off the ball, I think has been fantastic. The amount of times Sorinola has been getting in behind and um, against, um, and, and, and against Charlton, the goal was, you know, um, I think it was Carlton Morris had, a defender occupied, and so it just allowed Fraser to just run through completely uh, with with without a challenge. And I think that movement off the ball and almost football intelligence is such an underrated feature in football. And it seems like we we've got quite a few very intelligent players, which could, can only benefit us. Yeah, and it's only going to get better, isn't it? And every game that goes on. City system's going to become more and more developed and more and more ingrained in these players' minds. And the hope is that, you know, some are going to move on, of course, but the core of that is going to stay with the club. And hopefully, uh, through the next, next few seasons, we see that go develop more and more and more and it comes even better. But yeah, that Morris goal was pretty special, weren't it? It's, and it was just a shame that it, it seems a bit harsh, but it came to nothing. And I think um, Carl admitted that himself. He he obviously loved to score the goal, but the three points is all that matters to him and the players. And uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's he's been absolutely quality the past few games, Morris really, and uh, he's really shown his quality. And um, hopefully he's uh, here next next season because uh, we can redo with him for sure up front. I don't think we can go without mentioning some of the Accrington players and how good they were in general. Um, I feel it's one of the first games where it was really noticeable to see a few players that showed real quality against us and you can see why they're where they are in the league. Like for me, I highlighted Nottingham in a whack way. I know we've mentioned Tariq quite a bit in this pod, um, but I thought they were both absolutely excellent in terms of trying to cut out what we were trying to do in terms of passing through the lanes and obviously a whack way got his two assists for the goal, or the goals, I should say, sorry. And um, I suppose, do you think that teams will watch the Atkinson game and take a lot from it in terms of how to neutralise us quite a bit? Because ultimately, it was quite a... It was, it was a disappointing performance, but it was a performance where we were fairly limited in terms of what we were trying to do. Um, Ross, do you think that's potentially a factor going forward? Um, in a way... But I feel like, um, as I said, they, they had three shots on target and two of them went in. So I feel like um, it was out of our, our own doing. So I feel going forward, teams will um, exploit that. They need to put us under pressure. So there, there are uh, mistakes in this side. But in my eyes, I feel like um, this team's improving that game by game, week by week. And... I feel like them um, defensive um, mistakes will um, will narrow down as such in the next few few weeks. I'm hoping we'll uh, we'll um, return with a clean sheet uh, this weekend, but we'll, we'll we'll mention that later on. Yeah, uh, we'll speak about uh, our game on Saturday later, but we seem to have a, a nice turn of fixtures coming up. I think so. Uh, we won't be playing Atkinson every week, that's for sure. Um, Joe, did you have any closing thoughts on you know, potentially teams you know, watching the action game and thinking, oh, OK, we can do this in the future and maybe you know, neutralise us in a sense? I think it's it's very easy saying that, but I don't. as you said, not many teams are going to be A, as disciplined as Accrington and two, have the quality of player that Accrington have recruited. <clears throat> um, we said mentioned on the preview that John Coleman's done a fantastic job and if we got a point, it would be a great, point and you know if we've come away with zero and there's going to be plenty of teams that also come away with zero this season and uh, you know I mentioned it at, at the top of the podcast but I, 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 there's there's nothing in that game that makes me think oh my goodness we need to address this what a disaster because going forward we were okay defensively we limited them but there was a couple of you know they had a couple of big chances and they took those big chances um, so obviously there's always things to learn, but there's nothing to me that it's not panic stations. They're a great team and we were in it right near the end. So 
yeah, that I, I say, you know, just kind of, it's one of them where you dust yourself down and just get on with the next one, which we yeah, certainly well, did on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we sat here playing acting every week, that is for sure. And uh, to be honest, thank God we don't. Um, yeah, and as you mentioned, Joe, um, certainly put that performance on Saturday to bed against Norwich and 21s last night as we're recording this. Um, absolutely dominated them 6-0, to be honest. Uh, it's a I've, it was pretty much a cruise control performance as I put in my notes. Uh, I don't remember Norwich really having a shot. Um, even if it was, it was offside. And uh, I think Russ made note to one shot where he was absolutely, uh, well, he's pretty fuming regarding the defence giving up in the first place. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting performance actually. And um, we'll get on to certain individuals' performances in general. Um, but Joe, I want to start with you because you actually were at the ground last night um, in your first game it's AMK and God knows how long. Um, so you just 190 gen- days. 190 days, you actually count. <laughs> 290. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that just emphasises how long it's been. Uh, I just wanted to gather your general thoughts on what it was like being back. Yeah, it was, well, first of all, it was just great to be back. It, you know, it's, it, it was, there's, there's so many things that I think the, the club, the, um, I think uh, Lass has said and Russ has said before, you, but I don't think people realise how much of a benefit having the crowd there is going to be. Just just some little things I noticed. On, on iFollow, I, and you know, iFollow, it's been great for us keeping up to date when we can be at the scrounge. But, you know, a lot of the time you don't actually see that when a player is playing backwards, there might be four Norwich defenders out of shot. And, you know, so the ball that you think is there might not actually be there. And so many times we've played ourselves out of situations and, you know, people were applauding it. It's, and it was because it was good play, keeping the ball, retaining our shape. And it's so easy to see. It's so hard to see on iFollow what is actually being done. But when you're actually there in the stadium and you see the speed in which we move the ball, you see the, it's, it's all calculated. There's no hit and hope. And the amount of times where, We'd be playing it backwards, but within three passes, because we've played it backwards, dragged their players over to the other side, we've opened up a massive load of space and someone's, you know, inches away from being in. And I think that, you know, if 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 you're playing it around a team and you're applauding going them back, you know, in, in the opposition's head, they're thinking, oh, God, bloody hell. Right, we're going to have to press up here. We're going to have to do more. You know, it puts doubts in the opposition's head, just thinking... Oh God, they're you know they're doing everything. You know the crowd are on on their side, and I think it's going to be such an asset for us at home. And I think it works the other way as well when teams can't get it off us, like at Charlton, and you get a big sigh as it goes back to our keeper, and there's no one pressing. And and I think that was evident, and it was so different than 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 it is on the eye follow. And just you know, a shout out to the stewards. They you know that was great. Went without any problems, really. So, yeah, just absolutely fantastic to be back. Yeah, well done to them. And uh, well done for keeping everyone safe and getting back into the ground because it obviously means a lot to everyone and uh, can't wait to be back personally. Um, but, yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned, actually, because we discussed last week, or last part, I should say, sorry, about how, you know, the fans or home fans when we're away being back is really big positive for us. And, you know, the chart again really, like, showed an example of that. But, you know, if we can have that positive a sort of affirmation with our with the home fans being back at Stadium MK in terms of how we play and you know cheering them on rather than you know the classic shoot and hoof things we spoke about. Oh, there was um, still a few of them, but oh well, yeah, it's also <laughs> it, a was, few, it wasn't but... totally flawless. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's okay having a few, but if the whole crowd, especially the cow shed, um, is gonna yeah. start, you know, shouting that, and it, it's gonna get to the as you know, as you know, it's the team is gonna get to the players' heads pretty easily. Um, and it's important that we really not it's not if say if we don't win a game and we're you know saying oh you know they're still cheering us playing the ball back and that it's not being it's still important to be positive in that sort of situation but yeah I mean it's just important not to get be negative towards a team in trying to implement the system Um, I mean some people would disagree with that comment but I don't care quite frankly and I feel that but think you can see it in person, though. It, it's, yeah. It, it might be a backwards pass, but you can see that he didn't have anything on. Rather than try and do something, 
he's he's playing it back and he's working and then that that creates space elsewhere and I don't think that is translated on iFollow. Yeah, and exactly like we only you can sort of comment on that because me and Ross haven't seen it yet in person. Um, so yeah, I mean if that if that's the case, then that's excellent and we have to take your word for that. Um, I suppose moving into what actually happened in the game, which all three of us could see. Um, obviously, we saw the surprise return of Kieran Agard or Kagti. Um, and to be fair, he played pretty well. Uh, two goals, should have had at least one more to get a hat-trick. Um, yeah, obviously, he played his Norwich in 21s. It's not the, you know, the Atkinsons of the world. But, you know, it's you get, as you said, Joe, you can only, like play against who you're up against in a sense. And... He played well, and uh, we had quite a few comments of in terms of topics to talk about how you know, people want to s- sort of discuss about you know Cagsy's chances of maybe getting into the first eleven or the first eighteen of the uh, first team in the league. Obviously, uh, Mark underscore underscore lo four spoke about that, and uh, underscore at ajm Williams also mentioned that, and he also said um, put some respect on Agar's name, which uh, we are doing now. I like to think. Um, but Ross, uh, what are your thoughts on you know, not only Cassie's performance last night, but you know what are his chances of maybe getting into the eighteen uh, for the league games? Yeah, first of all, I just like to uh, applaud how professional that bloke is. He could have easily thrown his toys out the pram as such, um, not getting that move in the summer due to uh, one thing or another. But um, he's stayed fit and. Um, He's helping all the younger lads. You can you can just tell that, and um, I just wanted to. So I'm, I'll happily admit right now he's. Not, I don't see him as the man, the answer to this uh, this club and what we need up top. But um, he's a, a solution as such. Um, but I don't feel like he's the in, um, near the first eleven as such. So I feel like Cameron Jerome and Dalton Morris are at the moment are just something else. Um, in in League One currently, but maybe um, he's on the um, fringe of the first team, maybe in the in the squad, getting on the bench maybe. But I feel like Russ played him last night due to the fact that we've got bigger games. Um, for example, this weekend, and we need um, Jerome and Morris to be rested and have the legs for Saturday. So yeah, Agar's performance last night, um, two goals. He could have easily had four or five. But um, yeah, I just I just wanted to applaud it. And um, going forward, if he carries on like that, you can't um, not take notice. Yeah, um, I think for me, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat with you in terms of him getting into the 18. Uh, if the thing is, happened with Cagsy, I think, say, for example, the service is poor living the team. And we've seen that in previous games, how you know we've needed that type of walker player to really get something from a match. I don't think... Kieran can give us that in terms of his skill set. I feel like he'll heavily rely on a Dan Harvey or a Regan Paul to create those chances for him, and he's there sticking the back of the net. Of course, you know if we if we're needing that type of service from him in the game, then sure, bring him on, get him, try and get him that goal, and you know it could it could start off a streak and he scores loads of goals, a bit like Jamie Vardy would typically do. But I think for me, it's difficult to see him coming in straight away and really changing the team, especially with Jerome Morris, as you said, Ross. They're such a they're such two talented forwards and have such a great partnership up front. It's going to be really hard for him to break into that at first eleven initially. But yeah, I mean, if it's a spot on the eighteen for him, then I don't see why he can't be on the bench and try and be that impact player in the future. Um, Joe, you obviously were there last night. Um, did Cagsy impress you a lot with his two goals? He, you wouldn't have thought he hasn't played in God, goodness knows how many months. He, he, he was, he was bright. He, he, he did take his two goals well. He also missed a couple of chances. I, th- I think he definitely should have had a couple more. Um, he was off. One thing with Cags is, there's no doubt that he's a great poacher. There's no doubt he's, you know cliche a fox in a box but in this system is that what we need our strikers to be I feel that what with people like Jerome and Morris what you've got people that are willing to drop back people that are clever with their movement unselfish it's not to say Cags is selfish but it's it's more to say that you know a lot of the time that these these 
strikers, Carlton Morris, and you know, Carlton Morris doesn't have the best goals record, but he makes such an impact just through his presence on the pitch. And one thing I feel with Agard is he he'll score goals probably, but I feel that he potentially takes away from other parts of the game. Um, uh, he was he, he, in terms of link of play, he 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 actually won a couple of flick ons. Um, he was up against two 18 year olds. I'll you know I'm gonna asterisk that. And I'm by no means berating, hey, God, I hope you played well. I'm just saying, I think we need to take this performance in a bit of context. But like, like you know, like we said, he, he, he can only play what is in front of him. And I feel that, you know, the performance for me, it puts him level with Mason in terms of fourth joint fourth choice striker, really. He is... It is not no harm at all having him in the 18 as a third option, mixing it up, get balls in the box, and who knows, a rebound, a scuff shot, it might fall to him. But I just feel that I, I wouldn't want to read anything too drastic into it. I feel that at times he did let let down in the in the build-up play. But that that is Cags, he's he's a striker known for his finishing ability. But is that what we need, especially when we've actually had had strikers that have have been scoring? Yeah, um, you know, if if our strikers can't hit a barn door on the day, then yeah, of course, bring Kagsi on. He'll probably score. He's that type of striker. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, Joe, ninety percent of the time our strikers have been able to do that this season. It's just a case of you know getting them or putting them in positions to be able to do that. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to see Cagsy breaking in right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully for him, he does. Obviously, as Ross said, he's been ever the professional throughout his period. And, um, yeah, obviously, hopefully he can get in and, you know, score some goals for us. It's better for benefits everyone at the end of the day. Also, um, also I'd like to mention um, in regards to just before the, I think it was the AFC game, um, Jerome um, done a pre-match and he said that Morris needs to be a lot selfish in front of goal. And I feel like recently we've started to see that in Morris. Maybe in a few weeks back, if he'd, um, I know that a solo run, maybe he would have passed it out to the wing. But he actually had that confidence and he was selfish, like Jerome was saying, and he dispatched it. So I just feel like Morris, he's developing his game as we speak. And I feel like he offers so much more, as you guys say, than just that hold up, holder and, uh, Hold up striker and um, that guy who just worked all over the pitch. Yeah, he's been one of the better players of short the past few weeks. And uh, as you said, that solo run, he's certainly showing it on the pitch as well. Um, I may be off it with, you know, working with Jerome in the training ground, things like that. Um, Ross, I know you wanted to mention um, Lassa Sorensen last night. So um, I'll let you take it away on him. Yeah, um, when I was watching last, it, I feel like these past few games, especially coming off the bench against Charlton, He's really starting to impact the squad. I know um, a few games before that, he was trying to find his feet and um, he I don't think it was working out, but all of a sudden, the um, form, he's just turned over a new leaf and um, he's just hit the ground running. And um, last night, his passing accuracy was, um, considering he's played the full 90, was actually 91%. And that's, from the top of my uh, head, I think that's um, the best of it best so far this season and also he won three out of his five uh, ground duels and he made uh, two big key passes so I just feel like um, it was a very underrated performance last night I know um, Sorinola, I know Paul Cagsy uh, there was loads to name last night but I feel like Sorensen really um, stood out and um, a little spoiler for later on but um, he somehow uh, made it in my uh, well not somehow but it's made it in my lineup for uh, this weekend's clash against Burton. Um, yeah, he's also made it in mine. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if Joe can make it the hat trick. Um, but yeah, he played well. And, um, you know, since that like, dropping for Shrewsbury, I'm pretty sure I mentioned the presser, he's seemed to got some new confidence about him and he's really sort of stepped up to the mark. And it's nice because we have been very reliant on, you know, Kaz to take over that position in terms of, you know, really be that pivot and, allow the likes of Fraser and Gaffin to express themselves further up the pitch. And, um, you know, if we have that second option of Lassa, who hasn't really put a foot wrong since that game against Shrewsbury, then 
it'd be really good for the squad and it certainly addresses the problem if Kaz is either suspended or needs to be rested for a game. Um, Joe, any thoughts on Lasser? Yeah, I thought well, one thing I thought I, I noticed from the game and one thing that we've mentioned before was our Lasser's delivery is absolutely stunning. I was stood behind him and the way he strikes a ball is quite beautiful, actually. And it's not just the way he strikes the ball. I mean, the header for Regan Paul, I mean, could you ask for a better ball in? And his goal, just the, it was such a pure strike. And I feel that we've mentioned in previous weeks how we've got into the channels, but what's been lacking has been the delivery. And Harvey played a brilliant cross in for... Um, Agard's header, Harvey. This is Harvey who was playing at centre back. I believe it was from a, a corner that that came, and it's it was just really good to see the the quality of the ball. And we saw glimpses of it in Lass's first few games. He kind of burst on to without even training with Dons, and he came and he played some brilliant stuff. Um, but he seems just you know he lost it a little bit. But it seems he's almost he, you know he's young. He's going to be inconsistent. He's got his confidence back. It seems. And um, I, th- I, th- I thought it, it, the quality of his ball uh, balls uh, in were were stunning. And uh, one other player, I just want well, a couple I just want to shout out. Uh, watching Dave Pesuma in person, it's like watching a different person. He it's you don't realise the sort of he'll be surrounded by five players and he'll be the one shouting for the ball and he'll turn he'll turn and just or just distribute it one touch. Out, out wide and all of a sudden, you know, Regan Paul's just free away to go. It's just, you just don't notice those sorts of things. And I follow, and I thought he was the best player on the pitch before he came off. Um, I'd also just like to give a shout out for uh, Regan Paul, obviously two goals and an assist. Um, absolutely wonderful ball in for um, one of Cags's goal. And he, he seemed to, he seemed to have a lot more energy about him. I think um, Russ mentioned how, with Paul and Harvey, it's it's kind of a shame because every time they sort of get a couple of games together, three or four games, they're off away on international duty. They're back to being a normal left back or a right back in a back four. And they're asked to do completely different things, you know, play balls into the channels rather than actually play it inside, go on overlapping runs, etc. So I feel that if we could get Paul and Harvey, who we thought would be first choice at the start of the season, if we could actually get them some consistent games, you know, I feel we could really see, uh, you know, uh, a, a different, well, not a different side to them, but we can see the better side more often. And I also just thought Matty Sorinola, his, we've mentioned before, his, you know, he might not quite have the delivery, but his his decision making in the final third was fantastic. His intricate link up play and close control was something that, you know, from a left sided, uh, well, midfielder, winger, it, it, it was very good. And, you know, he wasn't one to just just kind of punt it willy-nilly into the box. If the ball wasn't on, the ball got recycled and then it, maybe it would end up on Paul's side. So I just yeah, wanted to single out those few as I thought they were they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's very important, especially with Regan's case. You know, we mentioned how he was maybe a fault for the goal against Action in the second one at least. And uh, but it's very important to mention when he's, you know, you bounce back off that and done really well in the next game. And yeah, oh, I, thought was, I thought it was terrific. Um, as you mentioned with the stats, Joe, about the goals and assists. And um, Ross and There's just more energy about him, though, I just felt. Yeah, he just, he just I seemed think the whole team, yeah. So lively, yeah. Yeah, I think the whole team sort of fed off that, really. And they kind of went into the game thinking, right, let's give this lot a game. Especially at Southampton, well, maybe they felt that they weren't expecting Southampton to. Um, you know, come on them as much as they did, um, but yeah, I know. I know Ross. You mentioned to us pre-recording how you felt Regan was quite a, you know, quite a player breeze of confidence. Did you want to elaborate on that uh, a bit? Yeah, I just, I just feel like with um, the fans, especially with these wing backs. I know uh, Sorinola, he's young. Um, he hasn't played that many games in front of a crowd, so going to Sunderland away without any fans kind of uh, does him the world of good because the pressure's not there. So. Um, I just feel like with um, Sorinola and Regan Paul, they're not um, they're not experienced um, wing back players yet as such. So I just feel like with the fans coming back, um, they're going to really thrive off them. 
and they'll know when they're doing something right because you, you'll hear it with, in the response from the crowd. So I just feel like, um, and as, as well as the defensive work, I feel like we're, we're, the fans will applaud that, uh, applaud the defensive work also. So I just feel like um, it's a win-win situation with the fans coming back also. Yeah, definitely. So, gents, we've wrapped up the two games played this week. Now let's focus in on Saturday's game at home to Burton. Um, I'm actually doing the sort of deep dive into Burton this week, so let's switch it for you guys listening. Um, so, Eric from Burton Albion, here we go. So, Burton are 22nd in League One. Uh, that's actually a relegation zone, unfortunately, for them. Uh, they picked up 12 points for 16 games. Um, and their current top goal scorer is Kane Hemmings with five goals. He's actually been out for a little while, uh, Hemmings, but uh, Buxton, who's the current manager of Burton, uh, spoke about how he could return on Saturday, depending on how Friday's transition goes for him. So, uh, fingers crossed uh, for because he's uh, not available, because, uh, of course, their top goal scorer is always going to be a threat. Um, but closely followed behind uh, Hemmings is Lewis Akings on four goals, who's been sort of Hemmings' replacement whilst he's been out. So, I think what we can see from this team is that... The- Strikers do tend to score the goals, and um, you know, they've both been fairly prolific in the system they've been playing. In terms of their road form for Burton, uh, they've played eight games on the road this season, only collected four points, which is 22nd um, in the form table. If you want to break that down by home in a way, um, that's only worsened by uh, Swindon and Plymouth in the whole of League One. Um, as mentioned, the manager is uh, Jake Buxton, of course, former player of uh, Burton, and um. These past two games, he's been operating in a 4-2-3-1. Um, earlier in the season, that was a 4-3-3, but that's recently changed. And um, they tend to become more hard to break down because of that. And they've turned into quite an aggressive outfit. Um, maybe not picking up the yellow cards, but doing, doing clever fouls to like, cut off the opposition. And um, you know we've seen that become kind of a theme in some Milton Keynes games we've watched this season. And um, you know maybe that'll be the case on our Saturday as well. Um, current attacking football seems to be one of their key traits as well. Um, they've got really quite nippy players to do that and the big target men of Hemmings and A Kings at top, whoever it will be on Saturday, really allows that as players like Powell, who we'll get onto in a second, can really you know, work off that and you know, try and play their midfielders into the game. Um, Carl Lincoln in with their, you know, the big target man at top. Uh, they've been averaging uh, 24.6 air draws one per game. So that kind of shows their prowess in the air in general, but also from set pieces. So it's really key that we are clear on that and understand, you know, who is potentially going to be prominent in that area. And um, one player that I found who could highlight this is Sam Hughes. Um, so he's currently winning the most aerial duels at the team, 6.7 per game. And uh, the Leicester centre-back um, is also... Burton's highest performer according to who scored in terms of average rating and um, he's averaging 6.95 per game for the Brewers and um, as a team Burton because they sit back quite a lot and you know try and let teams come on to them so they can counter attack mm-hmm. they don't really create too many opportunities but when they do um, Joe Powell tends to be the heart of that creative hub as we like to talk about on this pod for Burton and the 22 year old signed from West Ham in January and he's kind of been the Brewers' primary set piece taker since joining, and um, he kind of, as I said, he kind of suits the team's counter attacking style and that sort of centre attacking mid spot as he has the sort of speed and agility to really drive the team forward and um, bring players like Hemmings and Aikens into the game a lot more. So, yeah, that was kind of my summary on Burton. Um, Ross, I know I mentioned a few players there, I hope I didn't turn your toes too much in terms of players you want to talk about. But if you want to give us your ones to watch for Saturday, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, I've gone from for a slightly different approach this week. Um, haven't gone for the strong out players, but the uh, the spine and such to the Burton's team. Uh, I've gone with Stephen Quinn, um, the vastly experienced um, centre mid in this Burton uh, team. He has sixteen starts and uh, in sixteen games this season, so I think he started every single league game. Um, and as I say, he's experienced, he's had over 350 career uh, appearances and he's played at the highest level um, for Hull in the Premier League um, for two years. So uh, it'll, um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, we deal with that um, threat as such. Um, 
but he likes to disrupt the play um, when they come against a big team also. Um, but he's very much the organiser in that squad. And um, as I say, he's he's very much the Burton's spine of the team or the mould. And he, uh, he keeps things glued together. Um, also, the other player I wanted to touch on was uh, Lucas Aikens, the 31-year-old, um, the centre-forward, as you've mentioned, uh, Liam. Um, he started in 88% of uh, Burton's games this season. Um, he's he's the main man up top of the uh, 4-2-3-1 system. And he's just a typical physical League One striker who's a constant nuisance to the uh, to any defence in the league. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Keogh goes up against him. Yeah, I'm wondering um, maybe with Aikings or Hemmings, depending on who starts, I'm wondering whether they target O'Hora again. Because I know a lot of teams who have that sort of big physical guy like Aikings have been going to O'Hora to like win aerial duels because maybe Warren isn't the most prolific in the air. Um, so that's another interesting thing to watch out for, perhaps. Um, Joe, obviously you typically do the uh, previews for our opposition, so I'll let you take it away with your thoughts on Burton Albion ahead of Saturday. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. I think um, one one thing to note on Aikens is he's almost like the League One Mikel Antonio. He's just an absolute pest. He's got pace to burn. He's going to occupy... You know, like you say, he's probably going to you know stick himself on a on a certain defender. You know, people maybe even two people are going to be worried about him, and it it could very easily leave space elsewhere. Um, I think one one thing to note with this Burton Albion team is they have actually picked up recently. Um, their last three results were winning four to at home to Charlton, drawing one all away to Sunderland, and drawing one all at home to Crewe. And, you know, to get five out of nine points from those games is, is really quite something. And so by no means is, oh, we've said it before, but if you if you look at the league table, you'd say, right, well, we should be winning this. And I think we should be, but by no means is it a given. I think that um, they, one thing that they've got, which is, is going to be quite valuable, is that experienced spine. Um, Ross has mentioned uh, Stephen Quinn. You've got Lucas Aikens up top. But um, what a couple of players I just wanted to mention were Michael Boswick and John Brayford. Um, they've both been, you know, Championship League one. They've been through it. And I remember specifically Michael Boswick at Lincoln, I believe when in League Two, when they got promoted, he was, I think it was him, Neil Erdley, uh, Matthew Gilks, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But they, they just had such a formidable defence and... Uh, at, um, when they, I remember when they came to our place and they they won two 0 I think they scored a penalty and then won on the counter. But I mean, they just sat back and they were. They, Michael Boswick, he's he, he's an absolute. I think he's a very solid defender at this level, and so I, I think you know it is it is quite important to have that experience running running through that side. Um, and as you said, they 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 don't necessarily have a lot of possession, but by no means are they a long ball team. So if if they're playing in transition and our high press manages to catch them out, then I think that that's somewhere where the game could really turn. I think in the Charlton game, there was a lot of turnovers by both teams and a lot of counter-attacks either way. Um, it was almost like a basketball game at times. And I feel that this game could have a similar feel to it. Yeah, they're, they're quite surprised. And they actually have quite a nice mix of youth and experience. I didn't realise at the time. Um, also, we mentioned the likes of Hughes and Powell, and as you mentioned, Ross and Joe was the likes of you know Quinn, Boswick, um, Rayford, things like that. You know, it's it's maybe not as easy as a match as we thought on paper um, going into this one. But we will get on to our starting 11s in terms of who we think is going to be the best 11 players on the pitch to try and break this Burton team down. Um, Ross, why don't you kick us off with your starting 11? Yeah, so I've gone for a um, slightly different eleven this week. I've gone with, obviously, uh, Fisher, O'Hora and Keo Louie on that back line. Um, I've gone with Regan Paul out on the right, only because of I feel Ben Gladwin last week, as, you, as we said earlier, he got caught on the counter and I just feel like it's asking for trouble in this sort of game. And I feel like with, obviously, Regan um, having such a good performance um, against Norwich, I just feel it's hard to drop him as such. I feel like, as I said earlier, it's just about getting that momentum in, um, in his head. And uh, he, he can be a real new, um, force down that right. And um, I'm hoping we start to see the best of him in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, but I've also gone with, um, in the middle, I've gone with uh, Sorensen, Kasumu and Fraser. Um, the only reason why I say Sorensen, obviously, is because of um, he had another good game on Tuesday. And I feel like with Sermon, he's, 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 he can be one of the best in the league in, in his position. But I just feel like um, sometimes he, his legs go a bit. You can tell. But as I say, that will come with uh, match match fitness and all that. And I've gone with uh, Sorinola out on that left. So I, think, I feel like um, he's more than cemented that position now. He's consistently putting the top performances in. And I feel like um, Harvey, he can't do much about it unless uh, Sorinola makes mistakes in his game. And I've gone with um, Jerome and Morris, the normal two up top. Yeah, um, I'm fairly similar to you. Um, I've got Fisher, O'Hora, uh, Keo Louie as like the goalkeeper in back three. Um, I've actually gone with Gladwin about wing back. Um, I I could definitely see Paul starting and then say if we're struggling, uh, Gladwin coming on for the last 30 to try and break down the opposition. Um, but I just feel Gladwin will play from the off just because I think Burton will try and sit back a bit more and we're going to need that quality on the ball to try and break him down. And that's exactly why my midfield three is Sorensen, Fraser and Sermon. I feel Sorensen's ball delivery is going to be really important in this game. And I think after you talk about momentum, Ross, I feel Sorensen, you know, you've got him starting maybe, I've got him starting over Kasumi rather than um, someone else. I feel, yeah, building that momentum for Sorensen is really important and playing and putting him back in the pivot perhaps is going to be the real test for him. And I feel he could really excel in this game especially alongside Fraser and Sermon, who, you know, Sermon will offer a bit of that support for him. And obviously Fraser will do Fraser things like he typically does. And uh, yeah, I've gone uh, Sorinola at left wing back, like you have Ross, and then um, Morris and Jerome up front. Joe, give us your starting 11. Well, it's interesting to see we're all different. Um <laughs> So I've gone for the same, if you want, back four. I've gone for Fish, O'Hora, Keo, and Louis. Um, so they're obviously the key from the three defenders. Wingbacks, I've gone for Paul and Harvey. Okay. I think Sorinola staying on, for me, I think I think Sorinola's just played so much football. And he, I, I just, I mean, I would, I, he probably will start. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to give see if Harvey's given a go. Because I think... You know, Harvey has been brought in to be probably with the view to be the the best the, the the best wing back at the club, and I feel that he hasn't he's got nowhere near the heights that he has shown in Scotland. I mean, he, he was voted um, as player of the season. It's not often you see a left back voted player of the season. I think we've got a lot more to see from Harvey, and I think he he's he's I just think he needs a run in the team. Um, I feel that Regan Paul he had a great game, and I just. I'd like to see him start again because, again, you know, as Ross said, you know, keep the momentum going. Um, I've got Kasumu in the pivot. I feel that he 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 was taken off. Um, I think it was around sixty minutes or so. So to me, that says Ross, uh, Ross is saving him for Saturday. And I, you know, I, I think Sorensen's vastly improved, but I, I think that Kasumu is. He, for me, him and Fraser, first two names in the team sheet. Um, I've gone for Sermon. The uh, reason I've gone for Sermon is I think that, as you've said, Burton probably will be quite happy just to sit back and concede possession. And I feel someone like Sermon, he's he's just going to be very good at rota- just circulating the ball. He's maybe not going to be what like Gladwin is and dribbling through five people and having a shot from 30 yards. But what he will do is he'll keep the possession He'll circulate it to the wing backs, and he, he just—he's he's almost like a metronome. He'll set the pace, and I feel that that will be valuable in the opening parts of the game, especially just to ensure that we we have that control, that we're not going all gung ho straight away. And um, I mean, I've gone for Morris and Jerome up front. I think Walker was brilliant. On uh, we haven't mentioned it, but he was brilliant on Tuesday night against Norwich. Um, but you can't after what Morris and Jerome have been like in the last few games. There's, you know, there, there's 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 some way to go. I think before before we we consider. I think Walker's brilliant, but what Morris and Jerome for me. Yeah, you'll have to. They'll have to do something dramatic on Saturday to be dropped. I think. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I believe the consensus starting eleven based off our three lineups is Fisher at the clean goal, um, O'Hora, Keo, Louis as the back three. Uh, right wing back is Paul. Uh, left wing back is Sorinola. Midfield three of Kasumu, Fraser, and Sermon. Um, and then Morrison Jerome. It would be interesting to see if Sorensen, Harvey, um, do do start, or even Gladwin, like you say, because if they are going to be sat back, then you know who knows if, if we need that spark like that Gladwin or a Walker, you know, to come deep, make something or, out of nothing, or or a Cagsy Joe, <laughs> or a Walker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it feels harsh to Rob Lasser, um, but yeah, that midfield is such a. It's, there's so many quality players in that sort of area of the pitch. There's only three of them that can play each week, and uh, yeah, it does. Me, it, Cass, and Fraser are nailed on, and it's and there's then there's it's either Gladwin, Sermon, or Sorensen for the final spot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are. Crazy idea. Just, just I mentioned this yes last night to my friend whilst watching the football. Oh, earlier in the season, I seem to remember. Uh, I I think it was Sorensen, and he he really did start off quite well, and I'm pretty sure he played right of centre mid, like the right centre mid role, and he, I think it was the the game where Daniel Harvey scored, was it Ipswich? Yes, yes it was. Yeah, he put an absolute peach of a ball in. Could last Sorensen play at right back? I think everyone's played right back at these days. Um, <laughs> but because the way I look at it, it's not right back in, it's right back in name and that only. If, yeah. In reality, it's like, um, for instance, De Bruyne and Trent Alexander-Arnold, although one of them's a centre mid, one of them's a right back. The areas where they play are pretty much the same. It's just the other players around them have different responsibilities so it allows their play to be different if that makes sense yeah I mean well you're basically echoing what Jack said didn't he and um, you know with how they're basically wingers and not really wing backs um, I mean purely yeah. for his delivery purely yeah, for his I delivery mean, and also he, he's, he's no slouch defensively I mean he has one of the best deliveries of the ball in the whole club I think that's pretty evident oh, um, yeah so yeah, I mean, if if we do need that, then yeah, yeah that right wing back spot is open for grabs. Really, no one's really impressed me enough to you know, nail it down like Sorinola maybe has for left wing back. Um, Sorry for throwing that thought grenade. No, no, that's all right. Um, Ross, did you um, have any thoughts on what uh, Joe said regarding Sorensen? Maybe right mid or right back or whatever you want to call it. I agree where Joe's coming from, but. Uh... I think I'd rather him in the, in the mid, middle of the pitch. So as you say, his delivery is pit on a pinpoint is perfect. So I just feel like he, he's so much more valuable going forward than down at right. And I feel like if Regan Paul gets anywhere near that, I know I know we keep banging on about it how he, his delivery was on point against Norwich. If he gets anything like that, Jerome and Morris, they've got even more quality in my eyes than Kieran Agard. And they they they're gonna do, they're gonna put it in the back of the net. Yeah, a lot you know, of the time think, it has been due to the delivery that we haven't put off by our chances. Sorry, Joe, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I think in the system we play though, I think that the people that play right and left back have a lot more scope to use their range of passing. I think one thing that we've that we don't do as much as I, I'd like personally to see is switch the play, because so many times against Norwich. You know, the, the ball would be on the right and you'd see Sorinola in acres of space. And, you know, I understand it because at the end of the day, you know, these they are League One players. You're not going to be doing a, a ball on a sixpence every single time like you might get a, a De Bruyne do. But last is one of probably few at this level that does have that ability to be able to switch to play and it it just adds another dimension I feel and it was one thing that was very evident is when the ball was on one of the wings the other wing was wide open yeah and we're probably lucky actually that we have two players in the same squad that can do that obviously Lasser and Dean Lewington and um, Dean was doing a lot of that in the start of the season so yeah that's interesting and um, I don't know we might not see it be implemented but it's an interesting uh, thought for sure it just shows the competition for places, really, doesn't it? 
Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, this squad, whilst it is thin, it's so, it's very, it's full of depth, basically. And it's a bit of a weird concept, that, but it's nice. It's a nice change to have. Typically, we haven't really had the quality of player. So, gents, let's get into our predictions. Um, Ross, why don't you kick us off with how you think Saturday's going to go at Burton, or home to Burton, I say, sorry. Well, first of all, I just, just can't wait to get back to uh, Stadium MK, first of all. I know uh, someone certain uh, can't attend, but, uh, well, two people who can't <laughs> attend. In fact, yeah, neither of us. <laughs> so I'll send you a few you, pictures. Ross. Yeah, rely on you, mate. <laughs> Um, but I feel like this game, and I don't want to label it as a six-pointer, but I feel like it is a must-win game. I, do, I feel like um, if we're going to show that we are developing and improving, I feel like this is a game to, to game to win. And um, I feel like we just need to exploit the Burton's weaknesses in the um, pending set pieces. I think um, they really struggle from that. And uh, recently, I feel like... Um, our threat from set pieces is getting better and better as each game goes along. I just feel like, um, yeah, it's, if we exploit their weaknesses, we should um, have more than enough to beat them. But I just feel like, I feel like this is going to turn into quite a scrappy game. And I've gone with a 2-1 Don's victory. Nice. Yeah, I feel even though Burton do sit back, they are... They are vulnerable to giving up a lot of chances. Um, we've seen that in plenty of games this season. We've conceded quite a few goals, and um, you know, just uh, just some stats that I read about whilst I was previewing Burton and trying to find information on them. They haven't won a, a game on the road in nine attempts, and um, they tend to not have many goals in them either. You know, five out of the last six have seen um, under two and a half goals. So um, yeah, I think it'd be quite a scrappy game as you mentioned, Ross and. As typical with a Don's game, if we score first, they're going to win. Um, so I'm going to go with the fact that Burton aren't going to create too many chances and we're going to dominate most of the ball and hopefully we have enough to beat them. And uh, I'm going to go 2-0 Don's. Uh, Joe, round us off with your prediction for Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I think we will have chances. I think uh, I'm quietly optimistic and I, I I think that this could be a replicate like a a, um, a replica performance of the likes of Wigan and Gillingham, where you know we we grow into the game and we get some chances. Hopefully, fit, get a couple, get a goal before half time, and the rest of the game is just managing managing the game, seeing the game out, and then getting another goal. Um, so I'm going two 0 it seems to be a good. We've. I mean, it's happened twice at home, and I feel that there's a few games coming up, and I feel that we we, we talk about how I think it was prior to the whole game we'd lost. I think after the whole game, I think that was off. You know, we'd lost one in seven or something like that. You know, obviously we lost the Accrington game. All of a sudden, if we lose again, if we lose on Saturday, it then becomes. It, I think it then becomes like three defeats in five in the league or something. So. I just feel that it is important to just get a win, get back to winning ways, and just just, just keep the momentum up from um, that we gained on Tuesday, especially leading into a, a period where we've got quite a few winnable games, I feel. Um, I, I believe it's uh, Peterborough coming up on Tuesday. And uh, despite their league position, they're certainly not um, the, the smooth machine that... that, that um, that they may appear to be, and and Bristol Rovers as well, just going through a, a, a recent managerial change. So I feel it's a great chance to just get some momentum going and just get back to winning ways. So a two nil. Yeah, ties are turning for sure in terms of fixtures and who we're playing against in particular. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, with Paul and Harvey back, you know, no internationals till around Easter time, I believe. Uh, you know, it's a good chance to get some momentum going, fly at the table, and hopefully. You know, make something of the season and not be down there with the at the moment Burtons and Bristol Rovers people like that. Um, so yeah, before we close off, uh, Ross, hopefully you enjoy the game on Saturday. Um, as I said, we'll be speaking to you the whole day, so uh, make sure you keep up to date what's going on. And um, yeah, well, I'll speak to you on Sunday, I suppose, regarding um, the game midweek. Yep. So yeah, thank you very much for listening to episode nineteen of the MK One podcast. Um, as usual, it'd be excellent if you could provide 
uh, or not provide or give us some feedback whether you like the podcast don't like it um, as always we're always looking to implement new stuff to the podcast and you know we're in the works of planning some good stuff for the new year which we're you know, really looking forward to get out to you guys um, and yeah it's an exciting time for us and um, you know the fixtures are flying in but we're hoping to keep getting out the podcast to you and uh, hopefully provide you some good content to listen to during you know whether you're in tier three or tier two or even tier one if you're lucky enough so yeah thank you for listening to episode 19 and come on you dons away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.